0: good to have you all. I hope you are very tired so that I can put you to sleep now because I'm going to speak for an hour and you'll shlove. Just make sure you don't snore. If you do, let me know and uh, we won't embarrass you. I'll make sure you stay awake. I'll call your name out once in a while and you'll stay awake. Okay, so um, this past year we've been doing uh, the Torah portion, which is... Not officially, but everyone comes and I just talk randomly about different ideas in Judaism. And that I've been doing that every single week for this past year. And it's been amazing, even though we had Zoom for some of the time. uh, For a lot of the time, we still did it with Zoom and we still gave out tacos. Uh, But now I want to change things a bit. I want it to be that we have some more deep learning um, because it's been already... Four years of weekly uh, teaching, and I want it to come out with. I want people to come out with something on a new level. So uh, I know many of you have learned pikuach Vot, or some rabbi has come to you and said, "Hey, uh, maybe Pukervot? I'm going to explain." <laughs> uh, but some rabbi has probably come up to you and said, "Hey, uh, you should uh, learn with me, or let's do coffee," and then they start um, studying with you pikuach Vot. So I want to teach you some of the wisdom. That our rabbis have taught us for so many years, for thousands of years. And it's wisdom that we go with and we take with us in every aspect of life. Pekéavot means ethics of our fathers. And there's a reason why it's called that way. In Hebrew, a father means the foundation. Like on Shabbat, there's foundational things that we don't do, and then there's branches of those foundations. So the same with pekeavot. Avot means the foundation. So even though I'm going to teach you some very foundational ideas, there are many aspects that you won't be heard. Won't be heard, but they all branch out oh, out of this. Um, let me give you an example of a teaching that it says, um, and that can answer the question of why it's called P'kei Avot. There's another thing that people say about P'kei Avot. Is that it's called Pekavot, so you should know. It's not just an idea that was taught a year ago, two years ago, but it's been something that we as the Jewish people have been living with for thousands of years. So that gives weight to the words. By the way, if you ever speak, if you do speak, it's always good in public. If you quote something, quote the book, quote when it came, when the guy wrote it. Just go into, if you quote something, go deep into the quote. And the reason for that is, is because it gives weight to the words that you're giving over. Everyone's like, "Oh, okay, he's got something smart to say, you know? He's he's really quoting that thing well." So um, it's important that when we learn Pukkavot, we learning we call it Pukkavot. It's from our fathers. This is not something that just has happened hundred years ago, two hundred years, three thousand years of Jewish history. But was written about two thousand five hundred. It's a section of the Gemara. It's this section of the Talmud, and it was written when the rabbis realized that many, many Jews are getting dispersed around the world and they decided, okay, we're going to have to write down the oral Torah. You know, that the Judaism came with two parts. The written aspect, which is just the letter of the scroll. And then there's the explanations of the letters of the scroll as well. In every book, in every every uh, business, or every job that you take, there's the, the general rules, but then there's also someone there to help you and guide you and explain things to you on a deeper level. Well, Judaism's like that too. We have the letters, but then there's also like the explanations that come with it. So, Pukhe also means it has weight to the word. So when you see the messages that are in there, you're like, oh wait, that's that's a heavy quote. It's not just someone randomly teaching this to me. This is stuff that has thousands of years of history and, and, and success as well. It's worked. So I'll give you an example. It says... Um, it says... It says, be light to leaders. So let's say you're in a jo- you have a job and you have a boss on top of you. If you don't have a boss on top of you, you, you always have a boss on top of you. That's why I wear a keeper, right? Because God's on top of you. But when it comes, it means it's also referring to God and everything else spiritually, but also in work. You go to work and you have a boss and he says, I want you to do this and this. Some people, they get jobs and they're in and out of their job. You know, they get in a job and then after a few weeks, they didn't manage, my boss was annoying, that next one. This one was annoying me, that one was annoying. It says, be easygoing with your boss, with your leader. He says, yeah, I want you to do this. Yeah, okay. Don't get into that big friction with him or her because that's the way that they want to feel. Because they have that leadership role, all you have to do is be easy with it. If you're going to fight with it, it's, not going to, it's going to cause you lots of problems even though you don't need to. And a lot of times, the things that they talk about is pointless anyway. It's a meeting, and there's this meeting that's going on for two hours, and, you know, I think that we need to do this. If, if I'm able to just say, okay, okay, you know, and fold, most times, a lot of these things won't even happen. And then it says, Venoach latishchoret. It says also, be easy To those that are young, that means with black hair. Those that have black hair, meaning be easy with those that are young. A lot of times, the people that are young, this is talking to the boss, be easy with the people that are young. What happens is, young people, they say, oh, I'm energetic, I need to go around. They make mistakes, like a child. I look at my child, and he makes a mistake, drops the cup on the floor. Well, he's only two years old. Three years old. Three years ago he was born. What do I expect more? I imagine my child to be the same way I am. I'm 35 years old. My child should be my age. That's my, my child should be like me. But what do you mean? I have 35 years of living experience and my child's only got three years of living experience. This is what Ali Shul says, one of the great rabbis. How can I expect? So it says, Tiel noach, be easy with the black head, which means the young. Because a lot of times they make mistakes, and what happens is someone who's more experienced, they say, Why did he do it? What wait a second, that person's learning. Someone who's new, we need to be easy going with them. So when I see these words, I could either say, Oh, these are heavy words, or I could say, they have history, they have weight to them. It's not just a teaching. Let me really think about it. That's why it's important when you teach or you say something, if you quote, make sure you talk about the quote that you're coming. It, it was written in this year, it came from this. Give weight to your words. So that's why it's called Piki Abut. There are many reasons, but I want to really get into it and tie it into the people that are here. You know, your life, dating. Uh, there's a lot of messages about dating and in and, and every aspect of life. Uh, but I want it to be that we can go through a lot of the teachings in, in Pike'a Vot. And after a year, or whatever time that I'm here doing these talks, whenever you come, you can come out with something that you'll say, wow, I, I learned something new that I never thought about. Okay, so like I said, this was written. Pike'a Vot is one of the sections of the Talmud. And it was written about 2,000, over 2,000 years ago. So we're talking about words of ethics, of living with a lot of wisdom, and a lot of guidance, and a person needs to realize that this is not just something that's true now, it's true back then, it's true in the future, it's true now as as well. And it was, is, and will be. That's what truth really is. It's something that is true to the it's true through time. Like that's, that's the definition of truth. Truth is something that stands the test of time. So I want to go through with you some of the teachings and um and maybe we can come out with something from this. So one of the first, before it even tells me anything, it tells me how things were passed on from generation to generation. And then it says like this. Listen to me. In, in, listen to these words. It's the first thing they taught. It says, this is how it starts off in ethics uh, of our fathers. It says, Moses got the Torah from Sinai. Did he? Where did Moses get the Torah from? Sinai? From God, but for some reason it says he got it from Sinai. There's a lesson there, okay? It doesn't say he got it from God, he got it from the place. But you don't get the Torah from the place, you get the Torah from God, right? There's something wrong with that. And then he gave it over to Joshua. Did he only give it over to Joshua? Was there many people that he taught to? There were many people. What's going on there? So Joshua gave it over to the elders, the elders to the prophets, the prophets gave it, it goes through each generation until it gets to the great assembly, which was the time that this was written, about 2,500 years ago. What was the first thing they taught? We'll get back to the beginning. What was the first thing they taught? My friends, listen to this. The first thing that they would say, they would always say three things. And the first thing they said was, be deliberate in judgment be slow to judge. Here we have a 2,500-year-old book. And of all the teachings that they could teach, the first thing they said was, be slow to judge. Why? Why is that so important? Obviously, it must be that it's the foundational teaching of many other things. True? Otherwise, why would it be the first thing? But why is that so important? It's important to every Aspect of life not just to someone who's in court in court. It says according to Jewish teaching The more time you give something the better You don't judge straight away. You want to find the bigger picture Someone who's instinctual says okay, you're wrong. You're good. That's it. That's a mistake. You got to see the bigger picture What is the whole story? How did this all happen? How did this person make a mistake? You got to see the bigger picture. but Outside of that, that's in court. But outside of court, it's so important to be slow to judge. Let me give you an example. You go on uh, on Hinge. Okay, now I got your attention. You go on Hinge, and uh, there's a whole bunch of people that you can swipe, or not swipe, or however it works. I don't know if you have the plan, or don't have the plan. Someone was explaining it to me yesterday. So... Even if you don't have the plan, you're limited. They want you on that platform, so that you're limited to a certain amount of people. So you find someone, and you press like. They press like, and you're like, oh, wow. Now, I'm talking to the guys right now, because for girls, it's a different experience, <laughs> right? But for the guys, you, you see someone liked you, and you like them, and you're like, whoa, okay, she's interested. And then you send a message, and um, it's re- everything looks amazing. She looks amazing. Right? Guys, you know what I'm talking about? She looks amazing. You send a message and uh, no answer for a few hours. Then all of a sudden, hey, manishma. You know, like some Hebrew. And you're like, whoa, okay, this is cool. Um, <laughs> but this, we're getting somewhere. It's not just some random person that says they're Jewish. Like, we're getting somewhere. And um, and, and that makes you really excited, right? Because you've got that... that comment and you're like okay this is happening we're getting somewhere so you get really excited and then you have a conversation for like 10 you know 10 minutes let's say you try and exchange numbers and that's it all of a sudden cold (coughs) she made you excited for no reason for the next five days nothing kind of disappeared off the off the tables you go on her instagram you don't want to say hi to her on instagram because she never gave you an instagram you don't want to message her (coughs) Why is it so funny? <laughs> wait, you go onto the messenger, you go onto Instagram, it doesn't you don't want to do that because then you look like you're stalking and that's weird. You want to be a cool guy, so you don't want to do that. So what do you do? You wait. But you got excited. Now why is why is all this happening? First of all, I'll tell you why it's happening cuz Hinge is all as much as it can bring you somebody, I've seen people that actually got married because of Hinge. But it can also—has anyone else seen somebody? Yeah. I've seen—I've seen one person so far who actually told me they got married through Hinge. But uh, maybe because it's a new app, They'll, the new app that will come out after Hinge, the better one, maybe that would make it work. No, I'm just joking. But first of all, the apps are a, are, are a disaster in many ways, unless you know how to beat the algorithm, right? Unless you can beat the algorithm. They're a disaster in many ways. But what's the problem? Why is it that a, a good-looking guy, right? You, have all the, you tick all the boxes, you, sp- you, you put on the best pictures, and you find somebody, and she ignores you. What's happening? Why is that happening? Now, so most people tell me because there's too many options. Because we're in the swipe culture... It's like maybe there's someone better out there, right? Maybe there's someone else out there. I had that guy also message me. That guy, by the way, for girls, tell me if this is true. To you get if you put you can't put the notifications on, right? The notifications of uh, hinge. Would you be able to put it on? Okay, you don't even know what. Thank God you don't know what I'm talking about. But you can't put your notifications on, true? If you can't, no, you can do it, but you won't want to, right? you'll get driven mad every five minutes true anyway maybe you don't know what i'm talking about for a guy for a guy it's somewhat he needs to make the initiative that's how it lo- works a lot of the times but for the there's so many what am i going to do is this sounding foreign to everyone okay so wait a second let me tell you what really happened Let me tell you what really happens. It says be deliberate in judgment. Be deliberate in judgment. I'll tell you what happens. The reason why many times, and and girls can say this if this is true. right? Tell me if this is true. I believe the reason why many times someone does not answer is because they don't want to get into something before they know that person and they don't want to get that person hyped up about something that might not work out. Because I don't really know you yet. Tell me if that's true. Right? Girls, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Are you going to say no? You could say no. Right? But does that make sense? Meaning the real reason why when you get somebody answering you and you'll say hi to them, and a lot of times you feel uncomfortable to respond again, is because you feel like that guy is going to get excited about you, that you're responding. And it's a danger if he gets excited because then it's going to be too much, and I don't even know if that guy's for me or not. I need to first find out if it's. Does this make sense? So, what? It's complicated. Yeah, go on. Uh, I, I don't know if you're looking for someone to say something, but go ahead, keep going. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> I am looking. If anyone wants to say something, please throw in your thoughts. But here's here's the issue. First of all, this the fact that I have so many options. Definitely, is that like going to the? Is that like going to it's like going to a small supermarket, okay? And you have you have three cereals available, three types of cereal. Three types of cereal. You take you make a choice, you want cereal, you'll make your choice and go. But when you go to a massive supermarket and you have thousands of cereals to choose from. Right? Then the person is like, okay, which one do I choose? Are you crazy? There's a whole aisle of cereals. Why are you not choosing one? Yeah, because the problem is I have so many to choose from. Now I have a difficulty in choosing. So there is truth to that as well. What's the how do we solve it? I think, I'll tell you how we solve it. I think that we need to open our minds a little bit and think of it like this. We need a middle person to vouch for you. If that would happen, it would break all the barriers. So, let's say, here's Dylan, and on, on my app, let's say that I create, uh, maybe someone can create this app, it's not copyright, I want people to get married and find their spouse, so it's good, please. But let's say uh, I like Dylan, I can vouch for Dylan on the app, it's, as opposed to Dylan going through the awkwardness of privately messaging random people, I can vouch for you and they can reach out to me. So that way, there's no awkwardness saying, okay, he's cute. Can you tell me more about him? Um, You know, right? Wouldn't that be easier than having to like directly respond to the person and being scared of hurting their feelings and being outright in front of them? That's called a Shadchan in Judaism, right? The traditional way is using a Shadchan. By the way, algorithms is a form of using a Shadchan, right? It's using a middle ground to help me. But it's not, because at the end of the day, it, there's awkwardness, because at the end of the day, the person's going to message you directly, and there's like, is he stalking me? Is he, is he another weird one? There's so many weird ones out there. What's going on? I don't know. Can I trust him? I don't want to say no. I don't want to say yes and get his, high, his hopes up high. So we'll just leave it in between. Maybe I'll get him high a little bit. But then I'll back off for a while, and then I'll get him high again for a while. And then back. there's there's no middle ground. That's really one of the ways of helping is to having a middle ground, someone that would vouch for you. Maybe there could be a way that the app would work in a way where a a, a person that vouches for you is the one that does the communication, and that would break a lot of barriers. Anyone think of that? What do you think? It's not be, a religious. It's not because of religion that I'm saying this. I'm saying this because I think that's a really uh, powerful way of doing it. Anyone? Does anyone understand? Does it make it, sense? It, it sounds like LinkedIn, but
1: Hinge. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, Wait, someone LinkedIn,
0: you? someone vouches for you? Yeah, no? You can vouch if someone knows the program or, like, because you, you can put in, like, skills an and someone can in and vouch for those skills. <laughs> so it's literally the same mm. thing with Hinge. Well, we'll, well, Hinge, at the end of the day, you still need to show yourself off all day, right? Oh, look what I did. I made a business deal. And, like, it, it, in a way, um, this, I, I, I dream of something that will be, um, you can be somewhat personal, but modest also, right? Not only modest religiously. I'm talking about modest as in, you don't have to show yourself off tremendously, but you can give a bit of information about yourself and then not have to go through the awkwardness by using a middle ground. If that's what happens on LinkedIn, I'm not good on LinkedIn, but if that's what happens, then that's great. It's good to know. Maybe I should do that for some business, which I don't have. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, but here's the first thing be deliberate in judgment if you want dating to work first thing that you've got to, before you even approach it just know that you can't judge the person too quickly don't say oh they're ignoring me oh there's no communication oh there's no wait let's see the bigger picture it's hard for them it's hard for the other side there's a reason why they can't answer let's find the bigger picture That's called being deliberate in judgment. It's not just there, though. How about educating your kids? Me. I don't know. No one else here, but me. Right? My kids. They're fighting. One's crying and one's smiling. I come running in the room. Hey! What happened? One's laughing and one's crying. What's my immediate reaction? Why are you laughing? Why are you crying? Right. Well, why are you crying? Why are you laughing? (laughs) Who's the person that I'm going to blame first? Are they laughing, kids? Why? Because that's my nature. Are you happy that the other one's crying? What's going on? Why are you laughing? What happened? What? And I didn't know that what happened really was he didn't do anything. She was just jumping and then suddenly she fell in a funny way and it made him laugh. And he doesn't really, you know, he cares for her, of course. But the way that it all happened was very funny. And he thought it was a joke. And he's laughing. Yeah, I... I've got to find out the bigger picture. That's called be deliberate in judgment. Don't just judge based on the picture that you see, and you say, okay, that's the way it is. Same with work. Someone didn't answer you. Someone didn't respond to you. If you want to succeed in business, it's the same way. The same way that it is in that regard is in Judaism as well. Be deliberate in judgment. That's the first thing that they taught. Makes sense, right? It applies to almost everything in life especially in Judaism itself. When it comes to Judaism, you got to wait. right? You ever, you ever met a rabbi and he says, he spoke to you and he's like, I have all the answers in one second. Here, let me just give it to you. There was one rabbi that did that, Hillel. And what did he say? What you don't want done to yourself, don't do to others. right? He didn't say, love your neighbor like yourself, love your friend like yourself, that's what the Torah is. He said, what you don't want done to yourself, don't do to others. He said, the rest is commentary, go and learn. But you still have to go and learn. You see, Judaism will never be able to, also with Judaism, you can't say, oh, I don't understand it. It says in Teilim, we say every Shabbat. Uksil a fool always says, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. And you're like, wait a second, please. Right? If you're Israeli, wait a second. There you go. Right? I want to explain to you, it's not just about this. There's a bigger picture what does the fool say? No, I want to know this. This. Explain to me this. This part. I want to understand why. Wait a second. There's a bigger picture. What does a fool do? Focuses on one aspect and is not able to see beyond. Does that make sense? That's why uh, it's really important to be deliberate in judgment. Also in your Judaism. There's some, th- there's some questions I have. How can it be? How can it be scientifically? That the age of the universe is so much older than the age Jewishly. Oh, I have a qu- That's it. I'm done. This, this doesn't make sense. I'm done with my Judaism. Wait. Be slow to judge. Let's, let's find the bigger picture. That is the first thing they said. Because it applies to your spirituality. It applies to your dating. It applies to your job. Any aspect of life. You want to move forward? Be deliberate in judgment. That was the first thing they taught. So powerful. The words have weight. 2,500 years. Words of our our fathers. These are words that have been going for that. They make sense. But only because it's not just something that anybody said. It's people that lived by these principles for so many years. So let's go back to the original question. How did it start? It said, Moses got the Torah from Sinai. Why from Sinai, not God? should have said, Moses got the Torah from God. Why did it say Moses got the Torah from Sinai? I'm going to teach you something that's mind-blowing. You ready? Something that's really eye-opening. You ready for this? Okay. Judaism's not only about what I'm teaching. It's about how I'm teaching. What happened at Sinai? Sinai teaches me humility. Remember the great story, the Midrash, that says that Sinai was the mountain that the Torah was given on. It wasn't given on a massive mountain, on a small mountain, nor was it given on a valley. It wasn't given in a valley. It was given on a small mountain to teach me that I have to have humility. And who was the most humble of all people? Moshe, Moshe, Moses. He was the most humble. So it says... Moses got the Torah from Sinai, he got a message, he got the Torah from God, but also from Sinai he got a message as well, he got a Torah message from Sinai. The way that the Torah was given also has a message. What does that teach me? Well, if you have a movement that you care about, let's say you care a lot about um, vaccines, or you don't care so much about it, or you care about masks, or you don't care about masks... Okay, some, somebody's going to get angry with me. How did I say that? There's, there's even a question that you don't care about masks? How can it be that there's even a question that you don't... That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, there's, some, there's people that have opposing views to you. You have a view that you want people to believe in. It's a value that you stand for. What's the way that you push the value? That is important too. I remember being on uncount- at the university and um, excuse me for saying this there was different religious groups in when we were in Oregon so the different religious groups and they would stand on their campus but there was one group that were very aggressive they got banned from campus it was a, a certain uh, christian group certain type and they got banned from crap campus because they would come every once in a while and they would scream at people and he would scream at people for the way that they were dressed and he'd say you're going to hell and he, would even, he even came up to me and told me that I'm going to hell. It was fantastic. <laughs> so so the, the, if you have a message that you really believe in and that you think is very important, it's also the way you, you give over the message, that, needs, that teaches me about the message itself. Do you understand? It says, Tzedek Tzedek Tildof, Pursue Justice. It doesn't just say pursue justice it says justice justice shall you pursue not just pursue just tzedek goodness right just don't just pursue justice twice double why what does that mean what does it mean pursue justice with all your might double some explain it means that with when it comes to justice give it your all but there's another explanation Justice is talking to the way you pursue justice. Pursue justice in the way of justice. That's what it's saying. Justice, justice shall you pursue. The way you pursue justice should be done in a way of justice too. I want people to listen to me. Therefore, I'm going to take out my knife and force you to... Right? That's not a just way in itself. You believe in a just cause, but then the way you pursue it isn't very just. For instance... Um, the Soviet, the Soviet Union, right? They believed that we've got to all uh, um, be united and, and socialist or whatever it was, right? So uh, what happened though? It was a very nice idea. It didn't work. Human greed or whatever it is, right? So it didn't work. But what's the problem? What was the bigger problem? It, it didn't work. But the way that it was pursued, that was the biggest problem. How many people died with the pursuit of their just cause? How many people were killed? That's scary. People that stood up and wrote books, even Hitler, in his own eyes, was pursuing some form of justice. But the way that he pursued it wasn't just in itself. That's what the Torah tells me. Justice, justice shall we pursue. Also the Torah, the way it was given to us, that in itself has a message and that teaches me the beauty of it. If you get a letter from somebody important, like the president, you get a letter to your door, and it's from the president of the United States. What's the odds that it's really from him? For sure, fake, right? For sure, it's a fake letter from <laughs> fake fake news, right? For sure. <laughs> what are the odds it's from him? Zero. Let me ask you a question. What happens if the whole entire road was closed down and there are police officers everywhere and someone knocks on your door and he says, here, there's a letter here from the president of the United States of America. Would you believe it now? It's a different story. Maybe, but definitely a little bit more. Because the way that it's delivered matters Not just the delivery Not just what is delivered Also look at the way it was delivered Sinai was given was The the entire Jewish people A unique thing that happened with the Jewish people It wasn't just one person It wasn't just one person that said I saw God It was 3 million people at least If not many, many more That were there That said they saw God it's a different story, right? Not just one person. So when it comes to pursuing justice, we have to ask ourselves, am I doing it? How am I doing it? So anyway, Moses got the Torah from Sinai. He got two things from Sinai. He got the Torah, and he also got a message of how it was given, and the message of humility. That's why it says, Torah Isn't that beautiful? And he gave it over to Joshua. Didn't he give it over to many people? It says he gave it over to Joshua. What was special about Joshua? And then the elders, then the prophets, and then the prophets to the great assembly. Let me tell you about each one of these. Fantastic idea. What does, Moses taught me humility. What did Joshua teach me? The Midrash says that the person that led the Jewish people after Moses died, we know was Joshua. But Moses was confused. He said, What about my kids? two amazing kids why aren't they going to be the leaders and he was told that although they are great but there's something special about Joshua which was <speaking in Hebrew> he was constantly devoting himself to Moses he would follow him everywhere learn from him ask him questions ask him advice he would he would write notes he was one of those kids that runs behind the professor Saying what is it? What is it that you can teach me more? He was someone that was devoted, so Joshua had the power to receive the leadership. Even though, in you know, when it works like like kingship, the child is the one that's the king after the father. The child, the next child, is going to be the king, but not with leadership. Leadership is not like that. In in Judaism, it's more about who that person is, much more than. Who, what family he's from. Joshua was not from Moses, fa- Moses' family. His own kids did not receive the leadership. It was Joshua who received the leadership. Why? Because he was devoted. So the second lesson that we learn about the passing of authority in the next generation was the idea of devotion. <clears throat> the elders, after the Joshua came along and his generation came... There were the elders, there were many Kenin, the elders, old people that were the ones that were, they remembered. They lived for many years and they remembered. They were people that were diligent. They, stayed, they stood strong. They were there for many, many years studying, never giving up. What's the unique thing about an older person who's wise? What makes an older person that's wise unique? Experience. Experience. You know what else? The ability to repeat on something again and again. Even though I've learned it already. To constantly want to learn something from you, even though I've learned it already. By the way, in Judaism, that's how it is. We just had Simchat Torah. The celebration of the Torah, right? That was just the holiday that we had two weeks ago. A week ago. What, what did we do on the holiday? We celebrate the Torah. We finished it. Every week we read the Torah. And then what do we do? We take it out again we say okay now we're done but we're going to start over again hey can we go can we not have one week break no we won't even have one week break immediately we're going to start reading it again what kind of book is this you dance with the book you read it every week for years on end and then you read it again and you say okay we're not done with this let's do it again can we not just give it a break that's called elders the elders are the ones that are able to read something and do what we call in, in Jewish teaching, Chazarah. That's what we call, some, there's one rabbi, the Chazanish, who said that the real way to study Torah is to learn it many times. When you learn a good idea, you learn it once, that's not enough. Because that good idea needs to be embedded into your soul. It needs to be part of your ego, it needs to break down the inners. Not just your intellect needs to know. It needs to come part of you. Wisdom isn't only about knowing information. It's about feeling and living the information. That's why they were the elders. So from them we learned the idea of not stopping. And then the prophets, what did they teach us? Prophets teach us that there's a certain amount in Judaism we learn that there's a certain amount of wisdom that you will acquire. And the rest, if you're doing the right thing... The rest will be a gift from God. Such an important idea. How many people here have said, Oh, this is impossible for me, I give up. Right? How many people said, This is impossible, I give up. This is impossible, whatever it is. This job is impossible, I give up. This life is impossible, I give up. Judaism says like this. If you look at all the books of Talmud that we have, you learn one page of Talmud, it'll take you a month. You can easily look at all the books we have and say, okay, that's it. It's too much. It's impossible. How can I do it? What does a wise person say? A wise person says, today I'll learn one page. Tomorrow I'll learn another. The next day I'll learn another page until I finish the entire thing. It's doable. And not only is it doable, in Jewish belief, we believe that if I do my part... Is such an important aspect of your life that you need to embed into you. If I do my part, if it's the right thing, God will take care of the rest. A lot of people think, okay, I'm going to study. I'll do my part and then I'll stop. It's not like that in Judaism. Moses, he was, in the, he was on the mountain. You remember this story? Moses got the Torah for 40 years, right? You know this part, right? Moses gets the Torah 40, 40 days, 40 days he was in the mountain, sorry. And he got the Torah. How can you learn the whole Torah in 40 days? You can't. Do you know what it says? He put in his effort, day after day after day, for 40 days he was toiling. He said, I'm not going to understand anything. I can't understand anything. And on the 40th day he got everything miraculously. That's a Jewish belief. That when I put in my effort, if you look at some of the rabbis of our history... How do we have such great scholars? How do we have such great... We had Maimonides. If you spend some time studying Maimonides, it's mind-blowing. Rashi. Some of the commentary. Talmud. How do they come so great? What do they do? The answer is they believed, if I'm doing my part, the rest will come my way. And that's something that you need to take with you as well. There's another hidden message here. The hidden message of the Nevi'im. The prophets... They did their part and then they had the wisdom, the spiritual divine wisdom that came their way. If a person believes I'm doing the right thing and I'm going to put in the effort because I'm doing the right thing, the rest will just come in. You look at anybody's life. You look at the Jewish people. It doesn't make sense. 50, 60, 70 years ago, look where we were and look how we've come out of our victimhood and we've created a people that's so strong and powerful how did we do it the answer we didn't if we would have looked and thought too much we would say impossible impossible give up well, how did we not give up our faith what's our faith we say to ourselves i'm going to do my part which is the right part and god's going to take care of the rest if i try and Think To myself that I need to control the entire life of mine Right if I can't see, that's a very unhealthy way of living Because then I think I'm in control of everything when I realize I'm not in control of everything But I am in control of doing as much as I can And the rest will just fall into place and I believe that then I can achieve The people that have faith people have told me people with faith They can't achieve anything so why? He said, because they, they have their faith. So they say, oh, God will provide, God will provide. They don't put in the effort. But it's the opposite. Someone with faith, look at it from another angle. Someone with faith says, I'm going to put in my effort and not give up. Even though it may seem impossible, because if this is something that I meant to be doing, then I'm sure that everything is going to fall into place afterwards. This is such an important mentality that a person needs to carry. This is a foundation of our belief. That's called the prophets. The prophets were people that worked on themselves. They made themselves happy. They studied Torah. And then they were given a spiritual divine understanding as well afterwards. And you look at our people and you'll say that's exactly our story. We put in the effort. We didn't give up. We said, okay, we're going to build our homes. We're going to do whatever we can. Whether it was here after the Holocaust. Whether it was in England, Europe, Israel. Fighting a war. And guess what happened? Look what, look what it is now. Look what, look what it is now everywhere. New York, here, the Jewish people never gave up. What was our secret? We said we're going to do our part and the impossible will become possible. And because of our understanding that there's not just us in the picture, there's a higher power in the picture. Okay, that's the idea of Navim. And finally was the Anshaykh and Esit They were the people that were able to put everything into application. They wrote the Sidul that we have. They put everything into writing. And made it all applicable for us. So they were also the ones that taught us the idea of application. What was the first thing they taught? What was the first thing they taught? What was the first message? Do you remember? I was talking about it in Hindu. What? Be slow, to judge. Be slow to judge. Be deliberate in judgment. That was the first teachings Teaching that they did. They said two other things, but we'll leave it with that. The very first thing they said was be deliberate in judgment. Why? It's the foundation of everything else. Look at life. If you look at life, everything that includes someone who's successful is someone that's able to say, wait a second, I'm not judging the entire picture. I'm not judging. I'm not going to come to my conclusion based on my instinct. I'm going to wait on things. Whether it's with my boss, or with my child, or with my, my dating, or whatever else is. Okay, so uh, next week we'll continue. I'll just tell you the last two things that they said, and then we'll finish off. They said, have many pupils, have many stu- students, okay? Now, they didn't say, have one or two. It used to be there was an argument between Hillel and Shammai. Shammai would say, I only want the best of the best to be friends of mine. To come into my study hall. I want my school to be the Harvard of Jewish schools. That's what Shammai said. And Hillel said, no, I want my school to have everybody in it. Anybody in it. If you're interested, come. Who Who was the right one? Why do you think Hillel's right? Maybe it is better to have an exclusive place. Where only the greatest of the smartest of the smart are. Well, that's for sure, but, you know, there's also the aspect of wisdom, you know, mental ability. When people study in uh, a study hall, they would study real deep wisdom. It wasn't like they were just uh, talking about how to be a good Jew. It was studying real wisdom. I would say that, that Judaism isn't selective. Otherwise, it's kind of just, you know, everyone, everyone dances with the Torah. Everyone's a, like part of it. Like, you're just going to be selective about it. People are just not going to come forward. Right, we're not selective. Everyone should be included, and then what can happen? And then they'll like people will just run away from it. Maybe just like, and then you'll have like. Well, if you're exclusive, then many people will run away. But you'll get the best of the best, right? Yeah, but then you only have those people to just be uh, center of Judaism, and then everyone else will just go off to. Right, many people will just leave. Like, I'll tell you something that that I'm just gonna. Say what you say and strengthen it a little bit, okay? Hillel said that from the worst of the worst, you never. how are you to know who's the best and who's the worst? You see a, a hyper child, a child that's young and he's hyper. What do we judge? What do we say straight away? Worst kid, he's not listening, ADHD. Do you know what he is? He's a big soul in a little body. That's what he is. You see a hyper child, it's a big soul and a little body, that's all. How can you say that that's someone that's incapable? You don't know the potential of every person. And that's exactly what happened. In Hillel's study hall, they had thousands of people. And Hillel said, where's the youngest one? There was one that's in the far corner. The youngest one. His name was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He said, that's the one. They said, no, he's young, he's not really into it yet. So that's the one that's going to be the leader of the future people. What? Yeah, him. And that's how it was. Yochanan ben Zakkai was the one that saved the Jewish people at some point. We never know the potential of somebody. If you include everyone, you, you don't know the power of each person. We can't judge. Sometimes they're hyper, but that, that doesn't mean anything. That means that they have a lot of potential. So that was the second thing he said, is how many students it's connected by the way to judging slowly and the last thing they said was make boundaries for the Torah when you study or when you live a Jewish lifestyle if you want to succeed you have to make boundaries don't just live a life of saying if this is what I can do then I will oh it says I can drive 35 miles an hour fine I will always drive 35 miles an hour even if there's someone in front of my car hello no that's not how it works you don't live to the letter of the law. You live above the letter of the law. Right? If you're in a relationship, that's how it is. If you love someone, and you really love them, you won't just say, oh, okay, Oh, you need me to help you? Fine, I'm coming. What do you want? A drink. Okay, quick, I'll get you a drink and run. That's not how it works. If, if your love says to you, hey, can you get me a drink? You'll say, what type of drink? Honey? Right? What type of drink? Do you want food with that too? If it's someone you love, what would you do? You'd make the extra, you'd go the extra mile. That's what it says here as well. Make boundaries in your life. Don't just say, okay, this is what I'm meant to do, this is what I'm not meant to do. Also, a person needs to understand that there's things, even if I can do it, I can control myself or not it. That's someone who's strong so we can make families anyway so those are the three things they said and we'll continue next week with different wisdom Uh, there's so much wisdom to learn but this this is it for now and thank you all for being here and joining and uh it's been fun okay any questions